As jobs change in response to technology, workers must continually gain new sets of skills and qualifications. But the traditional institutions that provide those skills have business models and service offerings that have difficulty keeping up with that rate of change. Welcome to the Managing the Future of Work podcast. I'm your host, Harvard Business School professor and visiting fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, Joe Fuller. Today I'll be speaking with Anat Agarwal, founder and CEO of the online learning platform edX, a joint venture between Harvard University and its neighbor in Boston, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Anat and I will discuss critical gaps in the market for education and training and the innovative approaches edX has taken to fill those gaps. Anat, Harvard's a proud co-founder of edX and excited to see its growth. Maybe you could just introduce our listeners a little bit to edX's history and, and the original thinking behind it. edX is a, uh, a nonprofit learning platform founded by Harvard and MIT. Thank you, MIT and Harvard. You know, they've contributed $80 million to edX. As a platform organization, we built a software platform to connect great institutions like uh, MIT, Harvard, Oxford, even companies like uh, Microsoft, IBM, and others who have great content to create to learners who want to learn from all over the world. Today, we have 20 million learners from every single country in the world that are learning from 140 institutional partners. So that's who we are. We've also open-sourced the platform as OpenEdX so that other institutions can adopt the platform should they want to build up and innovate themselves in education. And today there are uh, 2,400 other sites using open edX on which there are an additional 25 million learners learning. When you started, did you anticipate having corporate partners? And how quickly did that emerge as a type of partner you wanted to have corporate companies with rich intellectual content like the ones you mentioned? Oh, today we are nothing like we envisioned ourselves eight years ago. In the beginning, we thought we would just have a few universities as partners, maybe six or seven. But uh, as more and more universities approached us wanting to partner, uh, we grew to uh, you know over 100 uh, university partners. Similarly, uh, learners were looking for content not just from universities, but they were looking for absolutely bleeding-edge content uh, that was very uh, job-related, very skill-related. And for that, we had a lot of interest from corporation partners like uh, Linux Foundation or Microsoft or IBM and others uh, that are offering content on edX. And, and the corporations bring a whole new perspective to learning where the university courses tend to be oftentimes theoretical and rich in one sense, while the corporate courses tend to be much more applications focused and bring a whole different kind of view on learning. Was enlisting the companies or accepting them, was that controversial with the universities? And do the two different populations of people providing content, do they have different requirements in terms of being able to deliver through your platform? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, over the past eight years, what has edX not done uh, that has not been controversial? <laughs> <laughs> Everything that we've done has been controversial where uh, somebody or the other has lobbed a call to me <laughs> saying, Anant, are you uh, crazy? What are you doing? But over time, people have gotten used to it. You know, we clearly come from a community, uh, you know, as a professor, as a being part of a university. Uh, we've tended to do similar things for decades, if not centuries. New things happen very slowly and go through a lot of discussion and debate. And even at edX, as a nonprofit consortium of universities, we have a lot of debate, and we ourselves don't move as fast as I would like to see us move because of the need to 
communicate and, and get everybody's buy-in. But even then, certainly bringing in corporate partners to offer content on edX was controversial. But we certainly hear from university partners about that. However, at the end of the day, we reflect the voice of the learner and we believe uh, uh, we should be doing what is right for humankind. And, uh, and by and large, our partners come along once they realize uh, that the motivation here is nonprofit. It's for the good of the learner. They've all bought into it. Well, we call this podcast Managing the Future of Work, and that's the name of our project here at Harvard Business School as well. You've mentioned several times that there are corporations both posting content, you mentioned some technology companies, but also corporations as clients. Going beyond the kind of core educational mandate of giving people access to the highest quality pedagogy and scholarship through the platform, but think about it more through the lens of work. What's edX's role and what have you learned about the, the role of the platform in advancing that agenda? You know, what is interesting is that education and the future of work are so closely tied together. I remember several months ago, there was a governor's conference here in Massachusetts. And at that conference, I was on a panel with education leaders and uh, people from the government. And we were brainstorming about the future of work. We all know that the future of work is uh, changing dramatically. The pace of technology is such that Newer ways of working, uh, newer literacies, newer competencies are showing up almost every day. AI is transforming everything, and so is robotics and automation and uh, computation. The nature of work itself is changing. And so in this panel, what was a future of work panel, uh, within two minutes, turned into a future of education panel, Hmm. where there's a clear understanding that as the future of work changes because of advances in technology, which are going on at an incredible pace, how do we deal with this? Employees that are working or looking for work need new literacies, need new ways of uh, building skills, need new skills to be able to get jobs in the new economy. There are various studies that show that within the next 10 years, uh, by 2030, uh, half the people on this planet will need to upskill themselves or they will risk losing their jobs. And so there's clear understanding and a recognition uh, that there's a really big problem out there. How do we upskill a whole planet? We also, as edX, uh, we are creating an education system where we are helping employees and companies and and people looking for jobs to upskill themselves to be able to keep pace with the changes in the workplace. Is there any material difference between teaching someone a college-level course for degree credit versus teaching somebody a skill that's relevant to employment. In fact, you could argue that that universities have been great sources of stability because the knowledge is timeless and and is added to incrementally and and scholarship is capturing the accumulated wisdom of humankind. And that we all have visions of university professors where they're yellowed lecture notes if they teach us Roman history or Chaucer or, or basic mathematics. That seems to be completely incompatible with the world you're describing in terms of the velocity of technology and the requirements for staying current in terms of skills. What differences do you see, and, and how do you accommodate them on edX? Yeah, they're two completely different worlds. I have been a professor at MIT for uh, you know most of my life. Uh, I've been teaching at MIT for 30 years. On the one hand, uh, stability was key, and also the fact that the learner came in at the age of 18 you know, grew up and spent four years learning. At the university. At the university, and spent four years doing it. Mm -hmm. But for the future of work, we have a whole different world out there. Skills are moving at an incredible pace. 
uh, your yellowed notes are not going to cut it. People need new skills. People don't have the time to come back to university for two years or four years, particularly if they have a job and kids and, and so on. Uh, 60% of learners that we surveyed tell us uh, they don't have the time to spend uh, learning in order to get a promotion or new skills. Mm -hmm. uh, another 60% of learners are telling that cost is a big barrier to them. So these are some of the big challenges. The learning for the future of work will need to be modular, will need to be flexible, will need to be online. Learning will have to go to them. We'll need to be cost-effective. We'll need to be cutting-edge. Mm -hmm. And we'll also need to find a way of giving them some clear signaling value to what they've learned that is distinct from a two-year or four-year degree. When we talk to employers, and, and certainly our research indicates, despite what you're saying, employers put a lot of emphasis on traditional recognized credentials, degrees specifically. How do you balance the fact that employers want skills that go well beyond what someone gained when they studied in school, when they studied in college, but they still put great value on that BA or BS and the institution that granted it? I think, again, it's two different worlds. In the past, employers would recruit students out of universities, and uh, the degree would have a very strong signaling value. And then they would grow up you know, at the company and continue working there. But today, however, where you need to reskill and upskill as an employee on a regular basis, your old degree uh, may not have the same currency today for your employer uh, th th you know, that it did mm -hmm. uh, uh, a decade or two decades ago. And so today, we will see the advent of micro-credentials. Uh, one of the micro-credentials that are available on edX is a micro-master's program. And these are modular credentials that have strong signaling value. And employers will be paying more and more attention to these modular credentials because full degrees will not be able to solve uh, the kind of needs that they have for the future of work. So say more about these micro-credentials and particularly uh, micro-masters. Are they granted by edX or are they granted by one of your partner institutions? And what types of topics do they cover? So MicroMasters program is a radical new credential, and this was uh, pioneered by MIT in collaboration with uh, edX. A MicroMasters program is about 25% of a master's degree, so it's modular. A person who's working can complete it in uh, uh, six months to nine months, as opposed to uh, spending four years or two years at a university getting it. Second, it's fully online, so they can learn it flexibly. Third, it's a credential with gravitas. It's called a MicroMasters program, and it is offered and granted by edX university partners. So, for example, MIT offers MicroMasters credentials in supply chain management, in data science, in manufacturing. Columbia University has a MicroMasters program in artificial intelligence, uh, Georgia Tech in cybersecurity, Rochester Institute of Technology in project management, uh, Boston University in digital project management. And these are all cutting-edge fields in which people can get these new credentials. It's low cost. It costs about $1,000 for them to get it. These are all the properties of a new modular credential, and more and more employers are paying attention to it. It is also credit-backed in that if you complete a MicroMasters and then you go and get admission at MIT or Columbia or the university you obtained it from, it will count towards your master's degree at that university. So it's a radical new credential with incredible gravitas. 
more and more employers are paying uh, very, very significant attention to it. So it's, it's interesting. It's almost as if at the at origin, edX was providing a new platform to grant a traditional old credential, but now the platform is begetting a new type of credential that that reflects what the platform can do. You bring up a really good point, Joe, and it's very exciting in that this is clearly a direction that we completely did not anticipate. And this is the reason why in the Clayton Christensen sense, great universities need to launch speedboats that can go and innovate. And the MicroMasters program is one example of an innovation that came out of this kind of experimentation where in addition to traditional degrees like the bachelor's degree and master's degree, we now have a radical new modular credential for 21st century future of work skills. And uh, this came out of the digital learning crucible that was edX. And so today, one of the values that edX brings to university partners is a way for the traditional universities to be able to couple into the future of work through the edX platform using these radical new credentials like MicroMasters programs. When a student enrolls in a MicroMasters, are they trying to actually work to degree completion, or are they just trying to pick up a MicroMasters in a specific skill that's going to advance their employability? 75% of the learners are telling us that they are just looking for a modular credential, uh, the MicroMasters program certificate. And so they come to edX, and they might earn a MicroMasters certificate from University of British Columbia in software development or from Columbia in AI. And uh, they put that MicroMaster certificate on their resume or on their uh, LinkedIn profile. And in fact, uh, 91% of them are telling us that they've already achieved a career advancement based on that certificate. Mm. The second kind of learner, about 25 to 30% of them, want to go on for a full master's degree. MicroMaster's programs have the property that if they get admission into a university or they get admission into the corresponding online master's degree on edX, this will count towards that credit. I see. So that's the beauty of modularity. These stack up, mm -hmm. these credentials stack. In fact, some of the really radical aspects of stacking is you can stack up these credentials from multiple universities. Uh, you know, we have launched a online master's degree in supply chain management from Arizona State University, where the first micromasters comes from MIT in supply chain management. And then uh, Arizona State University provides the latter half of the program. It stacks across institutions. So it can stack within an institution um, with multiple modular credentials, or it can stack across institutions. Now, how are employers using this? Are you having to convince them that this is a legitimate credential? Are they ever contributing to the material? How do they see it? Uh, many employers are, are demanding this, while many others you know, still have HR departments that are focused on degrees. As employers come to us, already tens of thousands of their employees are already taking our courses, and employees are telling HR departments, look, we want these modular credentials. So uh, about a year ago, based on a lot of demand from corporate partners, we launched edX for Business, where we work directly with corporates, and we integrate into their corporate LMS systems like uh, Success Factors or Degreed or other systems. Learning management system, uh, LMS. With their learning management systems so that their employees can come directly to us and their business transactions can happen with the corporations. Many other corporations, for example, uh, Tech Mahindra in India, which has uh, 117,000 employees, are using edX programs to upskill their employees. In fact, uh, in their case, uh, not just upskill employees within the company, 
but also get employees with better skills. Uh, as an example, they uh, announced about a year ago that they will interview anybody from India that had earned a MicroMaster certificate in one of uh, 10 programs. And so employers are trying out radical new approaches to interviewing uh, based on people with these new credentials or even upskilling their employees. So are you seeing this extend beyond just technology industries? Oh, we are seeing this extend beyond uh, uh, you know, all industries. Really? Uh, we have a uh, corporate advisory board of about 25 companies, certainly tech companies, but also uh, the companies in financial services, companies in uh, the hospitality industry like uh, Hilton Hotels. So it's a wide swath of companies that all need to uh, upskill their uh, employees. And, and are the companies saying to the employees, here's a resource, or are employers now urging employees to take, we, we would really like you to do this specific degree or this specific course and study. And, and of course, importantly, who's paying? Many companies are working with edX, uh, getting edX's help to curate the courses for them. And then they display the courses that they would like their employees to take and the programs. I see. Employees take them and the companies pay for it. In many other situations, frankly, the employees know what they want. And because the MicroMasters programs and some of our other programs are such low cost, about $1,000, many employees are telling us that they don't even bother looking for reimbursement. They just come and learn directly and uh, pay for it out of their pockets. This is helping them as well. I want to shift our focus a little bit because there's a very large population, at least in the United States, that's generally described as some college, no degree. They started in community college or a four-year institution Something happened to cause them not to finish, an academic reversal, they had a child, they ran out of funding, uh, they couldn't afford to stick with their program of study. That's obviously not master's level studies. What kind of solution does edX have for them? So the basic concept of modular education will be able to address uh, that population where today, if I go to college, uh, if I'm a 17, 18-year-old, go to college, spend six months or a year in college, and then I leave to take a job, uh, you know, what do we call them? We call them a dropout today. Mm -hmm. But they've learned something. They don't have a modular credential for it. Modularity can fix that problem, but if they've learned something, they should get a credential for it. Uh, that can help them at least get some kind of a job. And so at the master's level, the micromasters is that modular credential. And edX is interested in addressing that market in the future as well at the undergraduate level. And is there a similar ability to, to stack those credentials, both the ones earned on edX and those previously earned, to add up to getting an online degree? Absolutely. A solution in that space will involve a modular credential. Like the MicroMasters at the graduate level, there'll be a similar modular credential at the undergraduate mm -hmm. level where a learner with some credit will be able to accumulate uh, these modular credentials at the undergraduate level. And ultimately, when they have accumulated enough of them over time, flexibly, they will even be able to earn a bachelor's degree from one of our university partners. When I think across the two populations we've talked about, both the MicroMasters candidates probably employed now trying to stay relevant or get new skills and credentials that might lead them to move to a better position and get advanced in their current employer. And this some college, no degree population, it just invokes the image of lifelong learner. This is a phrase that gets bandied about a lot by civic and political leaders. We all have to be lifelong learners. Based on your history at edX, 
How do you think about that, and, and, and where does a platform like edX fit into meeting that demand for lifelong learning? The future of learning will be lifelong. You know, and in the past, people learned for four years in college and then got a job. But given the future of work, how technology is rapidly changing work in amazing ways, the future of learning will be lifelong. People will be learning throughout life. And uh, modular credentials at the undergraduate level, micro-master's programs at the graduate level, will enable learners to continue learning throughout life and accumulating these credentials as and when they need it. In other words, they will be learning just in time, uh, so to speak. Platforms like edX will enable this to happen, uh, for lifelong learning to happen. I don't believe uh, there is any other way to do it uh, than online. Uh, you know, what are the odds that you're going to be able to go to a campus for a year once you're 35 years old? You need modular credentials, you need online learning, and it has to be open enrollment. We can't have admissions processes. I mean, can you imagine, let's say over my, over my life, I'm going to earn seven modular credentials. Do you really want me to apply for admission seven different times? It's a nightmare. We have to make it friction-free. We need modular credentials. It needs to be open admissions. It needs to be low cost. It needs to be flexible, and it needs to be online. And edX is a good place to start because we are working with top universities and corporations like Microsoft and IBM and Linux and others that offer these credentials on our platform, and we built the platform that enables learners to accumulate these and to coalesce them into bigger credentials. Now, your illustrations uh, that you've been sharing with us are very much drawn from tech companies, IBM, Microsoft. We talk about, obviously, the need to have a more digital and numerate and, and, and STEM-competent workforce. Can edX's reach extend beyond those types of skills and other types of skills? You know, I've been remiss if the tenor of most of the conversation has been uh, uh, tech skills and tech companies. I mean, certainly tech skills, analytics and AI and so on, and computer science are one of the big skills. But actually learning from companies that soft skills are equally important. Mm. And uh, our corporate advisory board told us in uh, 2017 that uh, what they cared about heavily was leadership and soft skills. And this is not something that we anticipated. We thought they would say it teaches web development. And so we partnered with the Rochester Institute of Technology, and we have launched uh, what, to our knowledge, is an absolutely unique professional certificate program in soft skills. So if you Google soft skills courses, you will see it there. This came as a direct request from our corporate partners, and it teaches things like critical thinking, teamwork, communications, writing, uh, even storytelling. And these skills are equally important in the workplace, and people need to acquire these skills. Anand, what you've described about edX is very compelling, but why don't universities just do this for themselves or even large corporations like the Microsofts of the world create their own basis here? Why have, does there have to be a collective, a utility function like edX, given how compelling these offers are? I mean, clearly each organization could try to optimize for themselves. What edX brings to the table is a platform. If you look at various marketplaces today, it's all about platforms, and it's all about networking and aggregation across platforms. Uh, what edX has done is by applying a platform approach to education, it is aggregating learners from all over the world, 20 million of them, and 140 institutional partners to uh, be part of a platform where the content comes from many places and learners come from many places that coordinate on the platform. 
edX also has a market focus where, as a small nonprofit startup company, we're able to be very nimble. Uh, we're able to follow the market as to where the needs are. And by having a large partner base, we're able to have at least some of our partners uh, create the right kind of content. It would have been very difficult if we had just one partner. Uh, we would have to rely on that one partner to create all our programs. Uh, we have 100 professional certificate programs and 50 micromasters programs and topics like blockchain and fintech and Python programming and, and you know, Azure cloud and cloud computing and all kinds of topics. It would be near impossible to have done all of this in the space of uh, you know, uh, two or three years if all you were was one partner. And by aggregating the resources from a number of them, by being market-focused and using a platform approach, I think it's just better for everybody and leverage a partnership with another university. Well, Anant, thanks for crossing the Charles River, coming over here from your offices at edX and joining us here on the Managing the Future of Work podcast. As the child of Harvard and MIT, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, thank you for the great conversation. From Harvard Business School, I'm Professor Joe Fuller. Thanks for joining us for the Managing the Future of Work podcast.